0: What up world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week, Thursday evening at 6 p.m. to get in on the action. Locker Room changing the way we talk sports. Got a really fun episode for you today. I'm going to play you my conversation with Matt Moore, the host of the co-host rather of the Locked on Nuggets podcast and a senior NBA writer at the Action Network. Uh, We're going to get into all things Nuggets and Blazers, a a wide ranging conversation about uh, defensive matchups, little, uh, Playbook wrinkles. Uh, the whether this is it can finally develop into a real rivalry like it deserves to be. It's it's a great conversation. Matt uh, provides a ton of insight. He's been covering the league uh, at various outlets for a ton of time, and he's he's someone who watches uh, the Nuggets incredibly closely as well as, as the rest of the NBA. Uh, you may know him as HP at HP Basketball on Twitter. If that name doesn't mean anything to you, but uh, he was he was really good. So that's what we're going to do in today's show. Is I'm going to play you that uh, extended conversation that I had with Matt and. We We will get into that in the second segment. But first, let's talk a little bit about Locker Room. I already mentioned it up top, but I want to tell you more about it now. It's the first social audio app specifically for sports fans. Uh, It's free to download. You can get it on iOS. You can get it on Android. Um, You'll be able to talk. Once you're in there, you can talk with me. You can talk with other fans. Uh, There's some occasional professional athletes on there. And all of it is, is real time discussions about your favorite team, your favorite sport or whatever else. I'm going to be hosting the locked on blazers room once a week. Uh, I've, I've been doing them for the last couple, uh, you know, six weeks or so. So you can get in there and finally join in on the conversation that you listen to right here every day. It's great. I mean, it's live radio. Uh, it's got a chat function, so you can ask questions live in the chat, or you can even request to speak, come on stage, ask questions. We can have a little back and forth. Uh, I've I've really, really enjoyed doing it. I think it's a great way to interact with fans. It's a great way to sort of meet people who maybe don't follow the podcast as closely being, and get their thoughts and opinions on the Blazers. Um, it's it's a ton of fun. So like I said, Thursday, 6 p.m., be sure to join me, get in on the conversation, uh simple way to do that. Down, like I said, download the app. It's free. It's on whatever mobile device you already use. Create a profile, link it to your Twitter, join the NBA group. You'll get the latest updates in, in those groups. And then follow me on there at Mike G. rich. You'll be notified when my room goes live. You can pop in there, ask questions, follow along. It's a ton of fun. Like I said, Thursday, 6 PM. Can't wait to hear your thoughts on the blazers and the playoffs and all of that. See you there on locker room, which is changing the way we talk sports. All right, let's dive deep now on Nuggets and Blazers. Game one, 7.30 local time. That's 7.30 Portland time, Not maybe not local to you. Uh, Saturday night, game one in Denver should be a lot of fun. And who better to dive deep with than the host of Locked on Nuggets, co-host of Locked on Nuggets, and a senior writer for the Action Network, Matt Moore.
1: How you doing, Matt? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for joining me for this. I appreciate this. We're going to run this on both shows. So I'm excited to talk about this series. It should be a fun one.
0: Yeah, it should be a ton of fun. This is um, this is the crossover event of a lifetime. Not since twenty nineteen have we had such a wonderful Nuggets and uh, and Blazers yeah. crossover event. Um, I want to ask you before we you know we can just hop all around, but the typically these series are decided by who the best player is. Like that's just kind of how the NBA playoffs work. The best player in this series is Nikola Jokic. Um, you, I'm sorry to my Blazer listeners out there, but that's how this works, y'all. Watch the games. Um, he's been the best player in the NBA maybe this season. Um, it, he's certainly among in the conversation for it. You, I don't think you can guard him. Like I, I've I've watched probably forty five Nuggets games this year. There's not a good way to guard him. Uh, if you if you switch, he's gonna. Stuff a small guy in a locker. Um, he's faster than bigs. Like he's, and if you double team him, it's just the worst decision you could possibly make. But Matt, you're someone who's watched every minute of him and probably every minute of him multiple times, uh, just based on your writing. Who, what are the types of players who have had success uh, slowing down Jokic a little bit?
1: Long, springy, hyper-athletic guys. So guys like Rashawn Holmes, guys like Clint Capella. Clint Capella is honestly his worst matchup. Um Guys that have a lot of athleticism, they're super springy. I think the argument for Nurkic in this series is, if you just if you're like Marc Gasol, right? Marc Gasol right. has a lot of success, or had a lot of success with him in the last matchup. You know, if you're just like bully him, um, be super physical with him, frustrate him with not getting calls because he gets a, um, like I'm not saying this is a guy that covers the Nuggets. Like, if you look at the free throw rates, I think. This season in particular, certain players, Dame is one of them, has not gotten enough calls. But Jokic is amongst the players that if you look at their free throw rate versus usage, you're like, how is this possible? And when he doesn't get calls, he tends to whine and he gets off his game and he tilts a little bit and he starts frustration fouling. Like it compounds everything. So if you just like, you don't need to goon him up. If you just like... I mean, the Lakers
0: literally put a goon on him last year. They literally put Dwight Howard on to specifically goon him up.
1: So like if you... If you if you put an elbow in his back, if you're shoving him, if you're doing that stuff, I think it can work better than other tactics like it's better than any sort of strategic move, right? Like versus versus like, oh, we're gonna send the weak side double from the baseline so he can't see it. Well, he has the peripheral vision of basically (laughs) like Of an omnipresent robot, like he's just going to see it, and he passes to. He's a savant. I mean, he's a savant. You can't.
0: You can't double him, and you can't even. You can't sneak. I mean, he's just. He's. He's not two steps ahead of you. He's eight steps ahead. Yeah, and he's moving at one mile an hour. He's just going to whoop your ass. And
1: even without Jamal Murray, what he does with small guys is he puts them in pick and roll. So if you if you if you try matching him up with a smaller guy and play small, like if they were like, all right, let's try Covington on him, he's going to. They're going to pull out either and either MPJ or Austin Rivers or Faco Campazo are going to make Covington basically play in that middle zone, like trying to figure out, okay, should I switch? Should I go? And you want to put pressure on them to mess up the communication, and then Jokic punishes you for it. Jokic is going to get his. Um, I think the Blazers have – enough to, all you're really looking for is like you just don't want him to be averaging like a 40 point triple double every night which i think he really
0: is, might in this in this series i think, it's cool. I think, I think holding
1: him under a 40 point triple double is good i think nurkic will win some of the games canter does a fine right. job on him because you know if canter's guarding him in the post that means canter's not in pick and roll and that's good so right um those are the type of players that I, th- I think like the long athletic guys have a lot of success but if nurkic were to really really goon it up um that would probably be the best tactic to take with him
0: yeah, Nurk's problem is that he's not—he su- doesn't always stay super disciplined. Like he, I, th- I thought in the last matchup, in the April meeting, he guarded Jokic really well. Like I thought yeah. he guarded him really well, except for the handful of times that he saw the ball and he got his eyes just—you know—got all wide for looking for the pumpkin and he reached for it and then Jokic just passed him. And he's so big and so strong that if he gets his shoulders past you, you're done. Like you're just—you're committing a foul or you're giving up a bucket. Like you—you you get to pick which one you want to do.
1: Yeah, I thought Nergis did great in that last matchup, especially in the third quarter. And then a lot of this, though, mm-hmm. is like Rudy Gobert will play like great defense on him for four quarters. And then Jokic will just pop in 15 at the end. Yeah. And, like, it's just, you know, he really is just that good. And he's so good from all over the floor and in so many different situations. But, I mean, the, the Blazers key for the series, quite honestly, you know, you mentioned like who's the it's so often decided this might be an exception to that rule. And that I really think that the the Blazers best chance. And one reason why spoiler alert, uh, I'm taking the Blazers in this series is, I think that their collective firepower is so much greater than Denver's. I think, right. You know, making it be like Jokic has to score 40 every night. He's not comfortable doing that. And that's tough for him. Uh, If you stay home and don't let him rack up 15 assists, I think that the Blazers have enough firepower to get past it.
0: Yeah, I think like Jokic of a couple seasons ago, um, you know, you could kind of bait him into maybe taking like six shots a half and you'd be like, hey, hey, we win because he didn't, you know, he just won't be that aggressive. But he's kind of turned that up a little bit. So you can't you're not going to fool him into kind of having those low aggressive night, like like lack of aggressive, aggressive nights like he's going to go score. Um, He might have a quiet night where he scores 24, but he's not going to have a quiet night where he takes, you know, 11 shots or whatever it is.
1: Yeah um i've got one for you real quick sure so i think mpj is the second most important for denver uh there's kind of a question of is norman powell gonna guard mpj or is that too much of a size disadvantage and will they put covington on him which means powell is either is probably gonna have to guard and at least in the starting lineups is gonna have to guard aaron gordon like that front court pairing is is kind of rough for both sides, right? Sure. Like Powell with his playmaking and craftiness and CJ with the scoring ability. And then Gordon and MPJ with just size and athleticism. So it's a kind of interesting matchup. Um, I like Covington's ability to disrupt the handoffs, which the nuggets use a ton of handoff action with Jokic in the pinch post. Um, That's probably a good mechanism to disrupt that. But I was curious on your thoughts on what the best way to counter the MPJ Gordon pairing with the Nuggets or the Blazers personnel is.
0: So I think they'll start with norm on, on Michael Porter jr. Um, that's what they did in the April meeting. And, um, I think they will go to that to begin with. And my main reason for that is not because I think Norm is this elite defender. Um, he's pretty good. He's, he tries hard. He's, um, he's got his limitations, but he plays hard on that end. Um, is because if you stick Robert Covington on him if if you make Robert Covington th- into this point of attack defender um trying to disrupt the handoffs it does and, and stuff like that it does take away from what he's actually really good at which is being a help defender mm-hmm. and yeah. i think if you put Rocco on a on AG on Aaron Gordon then he can roam off a little bit cuz the Blazers are, are we'll just say shoot it like if you know if you beat us if he if you hit four threes Aaron Gordon congratulations uh we'll lose we'll we'll lose the game bummer um, so I, I think they do that because they would maximize what Covington does best, but Norman Powell's going to be six, three, every single game. And I yeah. think, um, I, Michael Porter jr. is Just, a, just a, like a load. Like I don't, um, he's, he's just a really, really, really good shooter. And if you get it, let him get clean looks, which if you're seven inches shorter than him, he's going to get clean looks. He can go nuts. I mean, he, he can really score all over the court and play off Jokic really well
1: yeah but i mean i think i kind of like that strategy though of one daring gordon to beat you and then two with powell you know basically saying like i'm gonna pester you i'm gonna pressure you because that works you know and much like with Yogic engaging mpj with physicality if you're pulling on him if you're if you're bumping him he gets frustrated and he kind of disengaged a little bit versus the lakers and and because of that um if they do that with him you know and again even if mpj you know, he's hyper-efficient, but if MVJ's scoring 30 and Jokic is scoring 25 to 30, I still kind of, have, of the mindset, I'm like, I don't know if Denver's got enough firepower to get the remaining, I think, 55 points that you're going to need in order right. to beat the Blazers any any given game. So um, I don't mind that strategy. I like the the point about Rocco um, and how good he is as a help defender. Um, there's kind of this mindset of, like, Roko's like, lockdown. He was really locked down with Minnesota, And since then, it's like he does a lot of really good things defensively and has really good defensive moments, but he's not like Ben Simmons. Like, it's not like you're just, I mean,
0: in in the playoffs last year with Houston, he was targeted as the pick and roll partner in both series. Um, You know, Chris Paul said every single time, let me get Rocco. And then the Lakers did the same thing. Like, let's go get him. If we're going to get somebody in the dance, let's go get Covington Um, in part because you take away his help defense and in part because he has slow feet and fast hands. I mean, that's just it's who he is.
1: Yeah, so um, I like those kind of combinations. Um, I think it's it's an interesting battle between those two, um, of you know Covington's shooting in the series, Norman Powell's playmaking, like what Powell can do on the ball alleviates so much pressure off of Dame and CJ, and that's good. Right. There were times in the last matchup when they the last time that they played that one point Nuggets win, where I felt like they honestly weren't letting like it felt like pal was doing too much which is weird because i think sometimes it goes the opposite where it feels like cj sure. is doing too much i think a lot of that is just like having i still have in that matchup mind even though i've like i've watched you know a ton of blazers games i still do go back to that series where cj just destroyed the the nuggets and the personnel is a lot different now um but i right. do think that that's like I think CJ does need a healthy amount of usage in this series because I think he's really comfortable against their scheme and against their personnel in finding his spots.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be Torrey Craig and Gary Harris, so I, I, that that's one of my questions I have on the list for you is, like, who guards the guards? Who guards Dame? I think it's going to be Falco, but, and then who guards CJ um, off that?
1: Well, the Nuggets don't have any guards left, Mike. So, it's it be, hey, Shaq it, Harrison, man. Yeah, um, I mean, look, it might be like it really. It, it, I'm not even kidding. It might be they're gonna start. I think so too. They're gonna start Faku and Austin Rivers. Um, I think Austin's gonna take CJ. Faku's gonna gonna take Dame. And the idea going like straight up is that Compozo can bother Dame enough to just drag down the efficiency and if Dame gets his he like Fock is extremely annoying like to the point of being obnoxious like he's an obnoxious defender um, yeah he,
0: I mean he just goes he goes way too hard like yeah, he, and,
1: I always think about him it's like he,
0: he you know that he's always been this way yeah. <laughs> because you this is a skill like playing as hard as he is is a skill as he does consistently is a skill he's like, he's a
1: nut and, and he has to like if he at five, nine, if he is not like this, he gets run over. Right. And it's, it's been seen, um, a big key out of the box for me is it's been really weird watching Dame this season because it looked like he'd solved the trap for a while. They had pulled mm-hmm. the, tra- the, the picks all the way out to like half court and they had done like they, had, and it really looked like he had figured out a lot of the mechanics of when teams trapped him. And then there was that bad part of the season where they really kind of fell apart and the same problems kept bouncing up again. Now I, I know he was, he was, he wasn't healthy in that stretch. I'm
0: sure. Some low. of it is just explosiveness, his ability yeah. to get loose. Right.
1: And I don't know, like he's looked better. So it's like, you know, right. Like maybe he's fine. Um, But then he, he like had that trouble again. Denver was, was, has always run this scheme because it's the best way like putting two on ball. It's the best way to limit Jokic's um, liabilities It turns Jokic from a a weakness defensively into a strength, putting him at the level Mm -hmm. of the screen, Mm -hmm. using his quickness with his hands to interrupt passes and bother guys. And he's better at shuffling his feet on the perimeter and taking small steps rather than covering largest amount of space. So this helps him a lot.
0: And he's less of a, of a rimmed protector. Like his strengths is, 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 you know, steals, not blocks, I yeah. guess. is like a simple way to think of it.
1: Right. And so that worked really well actually. And like, even though Dame had some big games cause it's Dame and he's amazing in that series, it was really CJ two years ago. That was the problem. Like that was the difference. And then in game seven, it was CJ, Evan Turner and Myers Leonard. And so like, <laughs> what a game. Yeah. Um, and that was a, all game sevens are nasty. That one was something else. Um, when you look at it now, though, what's interesting is okay Dame's like easiest counters to this are you either don't set a screen at all, and Dame is averaging four more isolations per game since they added Norm. Like right. they're just running him one on one a lot more, and I love that counter. And the other thing is a very simple: just reject the screen.
0: Yeah, go away from the screen. Yeah. He's done that a bunch late in games where he'll even bring a guy up and then say, "Nope, just kidding," and go away from it all the time.
1: And, and that's a really easy counter, I think, versus Faku. In that yep. Composito is really good if he knows where you're going. But if he doesn't and you get that first step on him, he's so small. There's nothing he can do. Like you are just by him. Even at Dame size, he or you are just by him and he can't obstruct you. He can't bother you. Um, I think a lot of it for Dame is just like there is this kind of idea of like, oh, you don't want to make Dame mad. Like, I would just <laughs> say like he can't get like Dame's very good. I think about controlling his emotions and staying focused. I think this season has been more of a challenge as it has for sure. every player because of how exhausted they are every night. But th- that's a big part of this is just like Jokic can't get caught up in the foul game. If a, an opponent tries to goon him up the exact same way, Dame can't get involved in like, like being upset that Facu Campazo is being an obnoxious pain in the ass because like, don't like just focus on beating him and you're big enough to beat him. And that's that yeah, Fal- and-
0: Falco being annoying has led to, you know, f- five championships in Europe. Like right. it, this, it's what he does. It's what he does. Um, and uh, the legend of Falco is that he gets better in the playoffs. And if there's a, if he can play harder or do more of what he does at a higher level, like I, I cannot wait to see it. Cause he is um, he's a delight at five, nine as someone who's five, seven the um, delight to see someone at five, nine play the way he does. Do you think we'll see Aaron Gordon guard either of the guards?
1: You know, I wonder about that. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think in large part because they've had a lot of success with what they've done, which is the scheme is so much that like an easy way to counter the Nuggets is, all right, if they're going to bring two on ball, you put one guy in, in the corner and then you bring a pick and roll action to one side of the floor and you've got three guys, but now they've got, two guys on the weak side that have to cover all the distance in case you get to the rim on pick and roll situations for help and then get back to the edge. And that was a yep. real problem for them before the Gordon trade, but Gordon and MPJ combined have gotten a lot better because they're just taller and more athletic right, just big and faster and longer. Like they just can cover more ground. And I think like not letting Robert Covington hit six threes, like not letting, you know, Carmelo Anthony, honestly, like Melo's going to get his, share of of mellow shots, but not letting mellow really have a monster game, I think, is going to be a concern. Is look, Dame's going to hurt him, and CJ's going to hurt him. And Norm's probably going to do a little bit. And Nurkish is going to get a little bit. And so now it's like, how many, you know, how many holes in the ship can you really stand? And so I think that they're reluctant to take Gordon, especially because they're going to need Gordon as that help defender to contest at the rim and then be able to recover. Like they need him in that capacity, much the way that the, I think the Blazers need Roko as a help defender. Right. Um, Roko's better in that role. Gordon might be better on ball, but you risk, I think, with Gordon on Dame, him getting in foul trouble, and then that's when I think it gets really rough, given their front court rotation. Um, Sure. And so I, I don't expect it. I will say this: like if it happened in the series, I wouldn't shock me. But if that's happening, I'm betting the Nuggets are down in the series
0: right that it's kind of like a hey let's just try this cuz we're in trouble type of thing yeah i, I think that's fair I, I i wouldn't i mean i think in par- part of me thinks that like uh, the best i've seen Aaron Gordon play is like when you let him just check a big physical wing like in denver that is um, he did other weird stuff in orlando but like the best i've seen him is when they give him like a big physical wing and they're just they're they're, they're not going to find that so um you might not sort of maximize his skill set unless he's that crazy roaming defender like like you mentioned
1: Yeah. Um, Uh, Question for you. How much are you expecting the the Cantor Mello minutes to exist in this series?
0: Oh, probably way too much. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Probably way too much. Um, You know, Terry Stotts has locked into what appears to be his playoff rotation for 10 or 12 games like we we you know what it's going to be uh it's that normal starting lineup Dame CJ, Norm, Rocco, and Nurk and then he's got three guys he trusts off the bench those three guys are really really bad defensive players um it is quite a trio with Anthony Simons uh Carmelo Anthony and, and Ennis Cantor so if you're locked into that there's only so much you can avoid of of not playing them together so I think we'll see you know He's Terry has been a little bit more creative with limiting who comes in and when, but um, I, I think we still see six minutes or so a night um, and, and maybe a little bit more. Uh, it kind of depends on how much Jokic plays because I think that Terry would, would not be afraid to go to it if you see chunks of Jermichael Green and and. And Paul Millsap together, that pairing, which has been awesome for the Nuggets. But if that pairing's in there, I think he'll go and say, "Cool, let's play our weird front court too," and hope that, um, you know, hope that this bench group doesn't beat us up so much.
1: I mean, the offense has just been so insane, right? Like last fifteen games, Mello, Cantor, and Simons are one thirteen point five. Uh, in defense, yeah, they're. I mean, they've awkward, just but one thirty four point eight offense. Like that's. hotter than the sun um like i've lost a lot of money on blazers games over the last 15 because i was betting them against them in the second quarter every single night and well they
0: were the worst second quarter team in the nba for a long stretch they were
1: (laughs) and then they turned it around (laughs) when they got hot and all of a sudden that evaporated so i mean look if if their offense that's like a good strategy i think for them honestly it's just like look yeah we're we're gonna give up points for the bench but we're gonna score so much that's not gonna hurt us until the starters get back in like it's such a yeah, small mean, rotation in the playoffs that that should be fine.
0: Yeah. I mean, Simon's developing into, I mean, I think he was 99th percentile as a catch and shoot shooter. I mean, he's not a point guard. He's not that he's not a playmaker, but if you put him as a spot up guy on the wing and then you have as, and he's on the weak side and you're running action with either Mello or Cantor in the, in pick and rolls like that's, that is tough for second units. Uh, that's um, you know, a 45% three point shooter, one of the best offensive rebounders and um, sort of low post bullies and, um, if you get good mellow nights and there have been more good mellow nights than bad mellow nights recently uh, you're that's, that's a, that's a group that it's at least their strengths are really strong.
1: And this is like another reason why I like blazers in the series is they have so many more random guys that you can call it that we're going to wind up calling like game to the X game. Like, Oh, that was the mellow game. Oh, that one was the Simon's game when he hit five threes. Oh, that one was a canner game where he had that huge third quarter run where they like outscored the Nuggets bench by 10. Like th- they have so many more guys like that than I feel like Denver has, where yeah, I think like J- Michael Green might have a game. And like, you know, Will Barton's probably going to be back sometime in, in at least by the middle of the series. And if that happens, I'm right. like, I could see like the Will Barton game happening, but in general, you know, I just look at them like they have a, the, the the Blazers have a lot more chances they can step up. Like they have a lot more tickets to cash in sure. than the Nuggets do in terms of guys that can swing a game with an outlier performance relative to their standard production.
0: Let's take a brief break right here and come back in uh, the final segment of the show and, and, and dive into more of this series. But before we do that, let's talk about Bell Bar. It's just the best tasting protein bar on the market. Nothing simpler than that. I've been telling you about Bill Bars forever and it's what they are. They are the best tasting protein bar that there is. They come in nine delicious flavors, coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint, brownie, peanut butter, brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, plus some limited time flavors. Currently, that limited time flavor is uh, cookies and cream, one of my personal favorites. So uh, if you if that sounds good to you, do not wait around because limited time means limited time. Uh, like I said, you know, among those nine flavors, 10 right now, there's, there's going to be something for everyone. So if you're into fruity or coconut or or just like the heavy chocolate, chocolate uh, type of bars, they're all there for you. They're all soft and easy to chew. They got that candy bar like texture. But if you're, if, if you're kind of like figuring out what you like, or maybe not sure what you like, you can just order a mix box. You'll get two of each of the nine flavors, or you can get a custom mix box. If you know what you like, or you know what you won't like, and you want to try the ones that you probably will, uh, love, then, you can uh, customize with, you know, uh, two of each or excuse me, three of each is that's how the math works uh, and, and make your own custom box. Uh, that's that's the good way to kind of get get, you know, your first sample or if you know what you like to get a nice little variety. And what you're going to get with that variety is uh protein bars that are delicious and pack a punch. Each of them have at least 17 grams of protein and only about five grams of net carbs. Most of them have only four grams of net carbs. Listen, they're good and good for you. So go get yourself some. Go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by betonline.ag, simply the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. If listening to about a half hour of me and Matt talk about the, uh, A first round playoff series has got you itching to place some bets. Well, let me tell you where to do it. Go to betonline.ag right now, where the where they're considering this series basically a coin flip. But if you want to bet beyond the series, you can get juicy odds on the Blazers making the NBA Finals or or even winning the NBA Finals if you want to go big. Uh, But it's not just basketball stuff. While there's plenty of of bets you can place on the NBA playoffs and your Portland Trailblazers, you can also bet on the um, MLB regular season, the NHL playoffs, UFC, MMA. uh, and plenty of other things so before before that puck drops before that next pitch head on over to betonline.ag uh, and use the promo code locked on you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit that's betonline.ag the promo code is locked on you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts still pass first point guard Still Mike Richmond. still listening to Locked on Blazers, and we're still rolling through our Nuggets series preview with Matt Moore. To close the second segment, we were talking about uh, the Nuggets' sort of relative lack of firepower compared to what the Blazers have on the other side in terms of guys who can go off on any given night. So I want to ask you about that perceived lack of firepower within Denver's roster. If if you assume that Michael Porter Jr. kind of steps into the Jamal Murray playoff role, he's not the same creator. He's not the same player, et cetera, et cetera. He doesn't have the same chemistry with Jokic and those handoff screen rescreen craziness. But who's the third guy? Like who is with their current you know with their current health? Like who is who is the third guy for Denver right now who you, who can go score?
1: I mean, it's Aaron Gordon, and that's like a yee from everyone, right? I mean, I will <laughs> say this, like. Gordon has the capacity to get downhill in transition. I think that's a big part. Absolutely. Like he can do that. Um, Gordon shot the ball well in Orlando. He hasn't shot the wall, ball well in Denver, but like yep. he's not Tory Craig in that if anything that you get from him from three-point range is found money. I think if the Blazers left him open and he had one of those games where it's like, oh, Aaron Gordon hit four threes because he was just left wide open, I wouldn't be like, can't do anything about that. I'd be like, okay, well, you know, that was a coin flip. The Blazers were willing to risk on. They lost the bet, and that's how it goes. I wouldn't even necessarily say it changed the strategy next game, right? But, right. like, that's that's plausible. Gordon's still a very skilled player, and he has a lot of tricks in his bag, and um, he does a lot of really good things. Like, what's been weird is his production has been so bad, and the numbers are still so good with him. Like, yeah, it is they, very I mean- clear that he does good things for them even if it that doesn't translate into like he gets buckets or he's a rebound monster or like whatever it's just like he's just a player that knows what he's doing and is athletic and helps them
0: yeah and he seems to have bought in really quickly to like what the plan is Um yeah. he doesn't i always the thing i didn't like about him in orlando and some of this was just skills just like he tried to do everything i'm gonna mm. run pick and rolls i'm gonna shoot pull up threes i'm gonna shoot pull up middies i'm gonna post i'm gonna like just like pick, find something that you're really good at and go do it, Aaron. And, and I feel like in Denver, he's like, okay, I'll cut a little bit off the ball. I do this. My concern with him is not the shooting. It's the volume of shooting. Is Mm. he willing to take eight threes a game? Like, is you know, is he willing to be a guy who puts him up? And I I don't know that I've go ahead.
1: I think, I think he gets nervous at that with the system. I think he gets nervous at that with this team. I think he, he feels like if he's getting up a ton of shots, he's like, what am I doing? I've got yoga because he, he was the the knock on him was that he was gonna want his touches and want his buckets and do all these things and he tried so hard to fit in when he got here like mm-hmm. he was like he was averaging like f- five shots a game in the early going when they was with murray and they were just killing teams and he was totally happy he was like i don't care like we're i've never played basketball like this before it's amazing and yeah. it's just a shame that like He finally gets to a spot where he doesn't have to do any of that. And he's willing to take that step back, which a lot of guys with a payday looming would not. And the reward is that Jamal Murray goes down. Now he has to step back up and and he has to give them more offensively. Um, PJ Dozier. I don't know if he's even going to play in this series. Like it's, it's very
0: circled on here because he's, he can guard Dame. He's, he's the best option to guard Damian Lillard. I think.
1: Well, and the other thing with him is so PJ is a hotter cold shooter where You look at him on the season, and you're like, okay, can't score. But there are nights when he will go like six of eight from the field, two of three from three. And it's like right. those are huge buckets that he gets. A lot of it is, you know, the the Blazers, I'm assuming, are gonna play a lot of a lot of drop, I think, in containing Jokic, playing a little higher to contain him, but letting the yep. guards do what they want. Compazo is terrible off the bounce. Like it is a real liability, the fact that he can't take a, a mid-range jumper if they just go under the screen and leave him open. And so Dozier has a lot more confidence and the ability to kind of attack and just use his athleticism to get to the rim and score.
0: Yeah, it's for him just to get to get yeah. to the rim.
1: Yeah. And then Barton is the same kind of deal. So both of those guys being out, like everyone's just like, Oh, they do Jamal Murray. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. They started the season with Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton and PJ Dozier. And they are down to Faku <sighs> Campazo and Austin rivers. <laughs> like, I mean, they are <laughs> like, they are missing so many guys. I mean, and, it, and it, this has been a going conversation in Denver is they wound up with a one playoff matchup where they are going to miss Gary Harris. Like, Yep. That trade was a no brainer for them and they're very happy and the results have been awesome. Yeah, but, they got better, but they absolutely are going to miss Gary Harris in this series and are going to, going to really be like, man, it would be great to have Harris because they just don't have any guards.
0: So why, why didn't they try to, do you think they, they, I, like I, I listened to you guys saying they sort of picked Portland. Why did they pick Portland? Why not go the other way? I don't think
1: they did. So, you don't... um, this is what I genuinely think happened. Um, I, I will actually actively tell you, I believe that they, they did not pick Portland and were unhappy that this matchup worked out the way. Sure. It. Um, there are some members, I think, of the, of the front office organization that are like, they feel good about this. I think there's some members of the front office that are like, this is not ideal. Um, The Dallas <laughs> would have been the much preferred option. Basically, what it comes down to is they manipulated the standings two years in a row, and the players really hated it. Like, they just hated sure. and that stuff. They just, like people don't understand how complicated these things are where it's like the front office is like guys really you got to think big picture here like this is like this is going to help us so much if we were able if like this increases our chances of getting to the western conference finals so much it's just about the matchup but they just want to take on all comers because they're competitive and mm-hmm. then i honestly think that that friday's nights win over the pistons was like this perfect storm of there was so much that was still out of their control where the lakers could have lost saturday and it wouldn't have mattered like if that right. had happened what they did wouldn't have changed anything or um if or they could have won they could have tried harder maybe beat the blazers and or did something different like all, there are all these permutations right on friday and it was so far out that they were just like you know what we can't control all this let's just go play and Jokic wanted to play all 72 and mpj didn't want to sit back-to-back games and monte morris is from flint michigan and so they played those guys, sat other dudes, right. destroyed a Pistons team that was like actively like, please beat us. We do not want yeah. to win. We were playing literally no one. Like we're everyone that we can get. How do Diallo? He's out, right? Like that's the guy that we think can help <laughs> that, that might hurt us too much in terms of winning. And so they beat, they won that game. And once that happened, that's when everything locked into place because the the Clippers were like, no, 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 like. We're going to get out of the out of the Lakers Way entirely. We're going to get into the fourth right. spot and let everybody else deal with the Lakers on the other side of the bracket. And when they opened up that possibility, um that's what led to this matchup. I don't think that the Nuggets were ducking Portland. I don't think the Nuggets were afraid of Portland. I don't think the Nuggets should be afraid of Portland. No, I, I think the blazers I think the, I think they know how good this team is. I think that, you know, there there was kind of this idea of like, there's a, there's two national narratives about the Blazers right now. And one is like, they're like the hottest team in the Western conference. You better watch out Damian Lillard. And then the other is like, this team has been trash all year defensively. They got hot for a little while, but this has been a mess of a year. I don't trust them. And I think that they're probably somewhere in the middle and they're catching Denver, I think at the right time. So it's like, I think Denver is, uh, not excited, for this matchup, but I don't think that I think there are like, it was going to be hard either way. I guess we'll just see what happens.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's interesting. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I from their perspective, I'm not sure if like, I think Dallas is a little bit better of a matchup, but I, I just because of the guards and, and the lack of, um, and the, maybe having to like play Shaq Harrison a bunch to, to handle that or something. But like, uh, I don't think that it's like way, way worse. And I think these teams are pretty much, I think they're relatively even Um, like you said, I think the blazers probably have more sort of like um, random go off role players, but I think that's the, the nuggets have enough firepower to win this series. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I believe that firmly.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Like, I don't think that they should be, I'm picking the blazers, but I don't think that they should be. I don't, I would be shocked if it was like four, one, you know, especially given the fact that I've never experienced a Nuggets series. In the first two rounds that didn't go seven games. Um, <laughs> so prepare yourself for some twists and turns along the way. Um exactly. I just think that, you know, Denver's past to winning relies on a lot of things that the Blazers know are coming. You know, mm-hmm. like when we know Jokic is gonna be great, and we know that MPJ is a tough cover, and we know that they're gonna play pretty good defense because you can watch them play like Campazo and Rivers and all those guys. Um, but they there's just like a lot of ways that this is not a good matchup for them. Um, I actively have said on the podcast, like I think they should have lost the Pistons game by any means necessary to have avoided this. Like I think the four or five was perfect for them and set them up perfectly for a Western Conference Finals run again. But uh, they chose this route, and I think it's I, I think it's going to wind up costing them. Now I'm willing to be wrong, but I, I do think it's really interesting. Here is like the biggest thing I have to ask you is like, is this? is this the Blazers? Are they fixed? Like, to go from where they were, and I'm not surprised that they made a late push. This is what Stas usually does. Yeah. To go from, to go from, like, where they were, where it's like, team meeting, Chris Haynes is putting out the shot across the bow column (laughs) to, you know, the hottest team in the league dominating, getting the defense right, smoking everybody. Like, I don't know what to make of it. Like, is this just who they are? Were they always like, they just need to make the trade for Powell and unlock it and get healthy. Like, which team is this? Because I watched this team all year and they were so flawed defensively and they got by for months in some, in a, by any standard of evaluation, you were like, they are not as good as their record.
0: Yeah. They and, were just lucky. They were, they had, they had one of the worst points or differentials in the West and they were somehow fifth at the all-star break. Right. So like, Who are they, man? So, first of all, I don't know. Um, I buried them. I buried them on a podcast. I said, put a bow on it. These dudes are done. Like, they just, it's over. And part of it was Dame's health. I was like, you know, he took five days off. They gave him a week off, six days off. and, And they said, go get right. And he... He got all healed up and he didn't look much better. He just didn't look healthier. Um, so it was just like, well, if he's not going to if he can't get right, if there's not enough time to give him off to get right, then it doesn't matter. Like it, you know, scheme, whatever. It's just it's he's too important to the plan. He kind of whether by who knows, but he 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 got. Back to being Damian Lillard for a little bit, and even even better than, you know, kind of above his own average, like a 50-50-90 split to close the year, which is just bonkers. Um, but I I kind of think they are not anymore with Nurk and with Norm in tow, this, you know, historically bad defensive team and and the one of the worst defensive teams in the league. I kind of think. You know, they're not, if you look at their splits, just like point differential splits over, over the last three months, like they've taken off um, in a way that like indicates what good teams are, right? Like good teams blow teams out. Um, and they, they kind of look, they they profile as that more recently. I don't think they're this good, but I think, Um, they always should have been among the top seven teams in a crowded Western conference and they just weren't playing that well. So I I kind of think they're a mediocre defense and an elite offense. Like they always should have been. So I think there's something a little bit less than what they've been the last 12 games, but not much. Like I think this is kind of who they are, Um, you know, with the, with a shortened rotation and, and, and an upgraded roster and Yusuf Nurkic, quite frankly, playing 28 minutes a night. That's, I mean, I think they're, I think they kind of belong in this, that middle tier of the West, um, which is kind of where always their record was. But if you, I mean, you watch them closely, you know they weren't that good of a team for a long time. I think they're kind of uh, somewhere, maybe, you know, a notch or two below what they played for the last two weeks of the regular season.
1: Yeah, so I'll be curious if they get past Denver, and then like, let's assume Lakers, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon, let's assume Lakers win uh, and beat the Suns, and then they beat Portland do you call that season a success? Like, this is what's amazing is Portland goes from three weeks ago, looking like, man, everybody is going to be on the chopping block. Like stop. Right. They're going to have to change the roster. Like this is the, like, this is blow it up season to like, Hey, you got the defense, right. Played really well. Beat Denver that made the Western conference finals the year before knocked out the MVP. You lost to the Lakers who can blame you. And it it yeah, like, yeah. completely changes the narrative, which I don't know if that's a good thing, but it does change the narrative. I think Uh,
0: for me, like as a outside observer, yeah, it's a successful season. Most teams in the league lose. Um, But I think from their perspective, no, like I, I think if the, like, let's assume this, that plays out that way. And the Blazers get handled by a really good Lakers team in round two. I think they still like, I think the coaching staff still is, is done And they consider other changes. Um, One of the things working against them is that CJ McCollum is nearly impossible to trade for um, something that would help them. So um, unless, you know, Philly really wants to give away Tobias Harris, and I don't even understand that necessarily. But uh, like, I think, I think barring something really special in that, in this scenario in round two, that no, the, the, the the sort of shot across the bow that Haynes sent um, and who knows who uh, helped inform that one, um, which, you know, which member of the backcourt possibly could have, um, could have been it. Was it Amphrey Simons? We will never know. Um, <laughs> hard to say, but like, I think the change in the coaching staff happens kind of regardless of that um, because the first, I-, I think, you know, the last five years and the first 40 games will loom larger than, you know, a classic late season stats last 10 games where they just, where they just do it. They just do it every damn year.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, for Denver, I think the other reason I think, let me look the, the biggest reason to kind of believe that they're going to figure out the series is just, they've been so damn resilient, like down three, one, twice, they were down, you know, Two, they were down two one to the Spurs in their first ever playoff series with a bunch of inexperienced guys. Came back and won that series. They were down two one to the Blazers after that game three, which was just an unbelievable, exhausting, like yep. soul crushing loss. They come back and they win game four. Portland outlast them in seven, but. They learned a lot in that series last year's performance. Like this team has had injuries pretty much the entire way, both seasons um, outside of, of Jokic um, knock on wood for, for their sake, Um, all of these things. And they've just managed to always kind of find a way unless they run up against the Lakers. Like they're just tough as nails. Um, But for them, I do think like they were one of the final four, all those teams have struggled. They're sure. exhausted. They've had, a, they've had the same brutal season. Everybody else has, they've had so many injuries. They're so beat up right now, you know, and they lost Murray and, and they are maintaining this. Everybody's counting us out. We're going to show you because that's what professional athletes and coaches do. But I do think like at the end of the day, like this is kind of a gravy series for Denver, where it's like, if they win, you know, Hey, look, we can still beat Portland without Jamal Murray. And if they lose, it's like, We didn't have Jamal Murray. (laughs) Like we didn't have a max contract guy that scored 50 twice in the series last year. So um, very different situations, I think for both teams and it it makes for a fascinating series in which you're, I think we both agree this can go either way. I think we both lean towards like there's certain matchup advantages on both sides, but that Portland maybe has more, but that it's going to be really interesting. Mike, I'll tell you, you want to know the the number one thing I want out of the series though? Tell me, I want these guys to admit it's a fucking rivalry. Just I was
0: gonna close with that question. It this is a rivalry? Let's let's say it. The fan bases don't
1: like each other. Let's have the rest of these dudes admit it. Just one time, like it drives me crazy that they're always like, "I don't think it's a rivalry," and I'm like, "They knocked you out of the playoffs two years ago in a game seven, and we're like flipping you off on the way out the door." Like it's like you've played them all these times. You beat them down the last two seasons because of. Uh, you know, because of of where they've been at and you've been at, you know, now you're down on hard times. They're about to come in and maybe knock you out of the playoffs after going to the Western Conference Finals. Like, like this has got to be a rivalry. You play in the same division. This is the second playoff series. We need this to be a rivalry. We need the player to admit it. um It's going to get feisty. If it's not, then I know that Paco Composo will make it so, and Yusuf Nurkic will make it so. <laughs> It's. We're, I hope by the end of the series that both teams are able to admit that it's a rivalry, as long as nobody gets hurt.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like um, you know Dame has denied it, and when and when Jokic and I think both those guys are just kind of like that. But when Jokic is asked, he's like, "No, you know," and I really like Nurk. That's why I'm one of my good friends. It's like,
1: no, <laughs> come on, come yeah, on. It's like let's let's have it happen. I mean, nobody in Denver is really mad. It's it's funny that nobody in Denver is really mad about it. Like they just kind of like, oh, okay, it's okay. I think that there's like a whole. That came in the beginning, so there's a whole lot of like, maybe this was Malone's fault, because Nurkic is really is really talented, and like all this stuff, and I the entire way have been like, guys, like, Nurkic pouted his way out of town and then wished you a nice summer. Like,
0: happy summer! He said it in, on the mic in the, the mic. arena. It was mic'd up for the whole arena.
1: Like, how does this, and you know, for whatever reason, like, this is just how the NBA is, the guys are just like, ah, oh, nah. I mean, I'll just tell you, I, I, I do think, though, that there are different personalities on this team that are going to, that will take it more personal, especially if, if it gets physical, which I expect it to, I just hope that, I hope this thing stays within, within bounds. Cause um I don't think there's, that, like, there's no Marcus Morris's on this team. There's no, right. I'll,
0: I was going to make a Morris twins joke. You yeah. beat me to it.
1: Yeah. So like, there's, there's none of that here, but I do think we're going to like, it's a playoff series. This is how it goes. I, I do think we're going to have uh, a number of uh, kerfuffles and, uh, brouhahas as the series goes along,
0: yeah. I mean, CJ McCollum yelling, You can't effing guard me <laughs> in a game seven. If that doesn't do it, will anything, will anything?
1: Um, this has been the weird thing so, with Denver, though, is like, is like their entire approach is just like, instead of like getting mad, they're just like, Okay, I guess we're gonna go beat you. Like, yeah, this is the, Marcus Morris was running his mouth at Paul Millsap last year, and that was like what kickstarted the Denver comeback. street streetball, Paul got up in his face. Yeah, it was like was like Paul Millsap got mad at him and got up in his face and then they just outplayed him like they don't you know, Mm -hmm. they they, they, that's how they respond. I don't know. It's a weird thing about the Denver team. Um, I expect Portland to be its usual uh, exuberative self. Um, one thing I can guarantee you is the 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 officials in the series better get earplugs because boy are they're gonna hear it from Jokic and Dane throughout the entire Yeah, game
0: two of the series. whiniest stars in the league. Mm-hmm. Take that, Luka Doncic and LeBron, you're <laughs> stepping down the ladder. These are two of the two yes. of the all-time great complainers. It's true. It's uh listen. We've the West the West really dominates in the complain. I mean, with all due respect to the people who play for the Brooklyn Nets. I I know you guys love to complain, but I mean C P and Dame and Luca and LeBron and and, and Jokic, like that's that's a squad that will whine.
1: Yeah. That is a that is the a that is the monsters of whining in the NBA. <laughs> Well,
0: uh, Matt, thanks so much for, uh, you know, both joining me and having me on, uh, having me on your podcast simultaneously. It's been a ton of fun. Um, you know, this it won't be a rivalry in the podcast space. I'll still, uh, I'll still check you guys out and, and appreciate your work over there. Um, make sure it, my listeners read Matt, Matt's work at, uh, the action network. He's uh, listen, you, you will get good betting advice and then you'll just be smarter
1: about basketball for your troubles. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it.
0: Tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get it wherever they already listen to podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. You'll find us right there waiting for you. Got more Nuggets uh, content coming this week, storylines to watch, and hopefully another interview that hope that you all very much enjoy. Uh, still trying to nail that one down, so no teasers yet, but uh, still a couple great shows ahead of the Blazers game one in Denver on Saturday night. Great time to jump on board. Great time to tell your friends to do the same. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.